Michael Yo's got his own show. Michael Yo's got his own show. If you're looking for a place to go, the only place to go is the Yo Show. The only place to go is the Yo Show. Uh, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Welcome to the Yo Show. All right, here's the deal. My special drops March 15th. It's going to be all over my socials. It'll be on YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. Also, make sure you like, subscribe, leave comments. Anything else I'm missing, Brian, they need to do? That sounds good. Sounds good? Was that, was that fast enough? Yeah, it, it was. You, you, you're very slow on your answers, though. It's like almost like got, you have I'm to, running two cameras, a computer, okay. an iPad, an audio okay. board. I got to unmute the mic. I, you just sit there, buddy. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Okay. Uh, please welcome a very funny comedian, Sean Patton. What's up, my man? Thank you. And I want to just say everything you just said about having to all the unmuting. We're doing that in our minds constantly. Constantly, you, right. you motherfucker! Now it's I, I mute, I mute out Brian all the time. Yeah. I just, every time he talks, I just hit the mute button. No, it it is sort it is sort of like when nowadays, as a comedian, you have to not only be a comedian, you have to have a podcast, you have to film the podcast, you have to have specials, you have to put out content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we're so cut out to do it because we're already doing that stuff in our brains. 24-7. Isn't, isn't it? Are you married? Do you have kids? Or I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not married. I'm in a very long-term relationship. Okay, and, so, yeah. so the reason why I ask that is because my wife will catch me just staring in the space and be like, oh, you're thinking about comedy. Like, oh, yeah. like they're talking, but you're totally focused on this bit. Yeah. Like you, if you, if you're a comedian, you need to be with someone who understands when you, I got, I'm going to go get coffee. And then you come home four and a half hours later. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know where you've been. You've been taking a walk. And by walk, I mean figuring out that bit, that choking out a sperm bit that's been the, <laughs> the, the bane and Batman of your existence it's, it's, for four or five years. You yeah. know what it is? It's our golf. You know how a lot of men yeah. leave the house and go golfing yeah. for like six hours? Yeah. We leave the house and go work out a bit for a couple hours. I wish I have tried for a decade now to find one activity. To be like, you know what I mean? Just Are be we like, the same person? <laughs> yeah, no, right. no, I'm serious yeah. because here's the most, yeah. this is the biggest question I get. Yeah. What's your hobby? And I have no hobbies because every hobby I take on becomes a profession. Becomes it, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, literally, I can't tell you outside of podcasting, TV, or everything I do here, this is what I love doing. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, well, also, every, every hobby you have just becomes fodder. Or yes. not fodder, just becomes like, oh, I'm going to write about this, yes. obviously. It becomes a yep. bit. It becomes like, so you almost like take it less seriously because in the back of your mind, you're like, well, okay, I could, I could knock two strokes off my game today or... I can just play the entire round with a with a with a pitching <laughs> with a pitching wedge and see what happens and write a bit about it. Also, I don't know shit about golf. Me neither. I can feel some people being like, an entire round with a pitching wedge? What are you out of your mind? I'm like, no, you're right. No, you're right. Please continue. Golf. Like, I, I, I've tried golf. Have you ever yeah. tried golf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I suck at it, but I can also I, I golf guitar are two things that I cannot do well. But you want to. But with the I have the confidence that makes people think. I'm professional gotcha. at both. See, I'm that dude that loves to fail fast. 
Like if I'm not good at something, I stop it right away. I'm not the dude that will do comedy for five years and still not be good. Yeah. And be like, well, it's coming. <laughs> Literally, I gave myself three times. Yeah, I got. I gave myself, if I wasn't, if I didn't get a lot of laughs by my third time, I'm stopping comedy. But I learned that from my old boss. So yeah, she, she taught me that. She goes, fail fast and then move forward. Well, I mean, I feel almost like everything now, especially nowadays. I don't even think that this is just comedy. I think this is any sort of you know, everyone's a creator now. Everyone's content driven. There, there was a time where it felt like you could give your craft your skill set, time to develop, or like you could take a risk and be like, I can give this three years. Oh, no, and that, no. Now it's like, nope, you got six to eight months. Well, well I just to see if you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, comedy specials, whether you like it or not, are not comedy specials anymore. It's clips. No. It's all about clips. Yeah. So I'm putting out a special March 15th, but I know it's, a, it's only 30. I'm doing a new 30 minute special every year because mainly, I yeah. mean, it's great material. Yeah. But it's more about the clips getting views so you sell tickets. Exactly. Because you don't have time anymore in today's society. Yeah. Nobody's going to, I know nobody's going to watch an hour special because sometimes I'll throw on Dave Chappelle, my favorite comedian, yeah. and get through like 20 minutes and then my kids are like, hey, I need, you know, like yeah. I got to go do something with them. So I was like, I'm just making bite-sized specials now because it's all about updating your audio catalog sure. and your video catalog. So. I mean, that's smart. I mean, that's that's funny, too, because I just I just like last week filmed a special and it's so goddamn long. And I'm like, I know here it's one of those things where it's like, I know like what you just said is right. Like in today's world. Yeah. You do have to sort of put you're kind of putting out the buffet and but you're you have to be like, hey, but you could take yeah. you can take just beans and chicken if you'd like. But there's the rest of it here that if you eat the beans and chickens with this dip and with this rice and you keep eating it, you'll love it all as a meal. But if you only have time yeah. for dessert or just for the, this part, fine. But I'm this special that's like long and it's uh, when, one when you say story. Long, how long? Uh, 70 minutes. 70 minutes. So is there any way to do a part one, part two? Where you release probably what's going to end up happening. Yeah. We're going to have to chop it into two parts. But like it's but I also knew that going into this special. It was like a one person show I did in Edinburgh years ago that I stopped doing because it was a lot. And I was like, I'll get back to that in a minute. And then a year and a half went by and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. And then during the pandemic, I was like, no, I have to do that. That show. It's it's a one thematic hour. And I love it. I think it's I think it's awesome. I love it. And I'm going to put it out knowing like, hey, this is a risk the, at this time. And whether I put it out in one episode or one episode, two episodes or one thing, that one I do after this one is going to be more. Oh, yeah. I, I had to get this one out, you know? You know, I, I yeah. understand that. Like, I was, I'm to the point where if they won't give you a sitcom, create your own sitcom. So once a year. Oh, yeah, man. I'm going to give you a 30-minute special on the same day. So hopefully uh, you'll build up steam. And then when the Netflix call, I didn't, I, I got to a point where I wanted to own everything. I didn't even pitch the special out to people. It was just like, I want to own it hundred percent, put it on YouTube, get friends to support it and see where it goes. You know? So that's where I am. That's right awesome. Now, no, where I just want to, I just want, I don't know. I feel like after people take so much from you in comedy, yeah. if you can own a piece of something you do, and then you can license it out to for a company to sell and do for you. Like that's the whole thing I'm doing this. Well, time. then also like you realize where you come from. Like I'm, I come from that generation of comment. My the, when I started, where it was like you develop your hour, or like there was like a there was like a map. Yeah, it was like you get your late night spot, then you get your Comedy Central half hour, then you get your hour special, then you get your 
TV slash movie slash hired as a, as a correspondent on the Daily Show, and then the world is yours, yep. right? And that model was dying as soon as I started getting good, right? And now it's like, yes, it's cert- it works for certain comedians, like. You know, it, it's it's it still works like Roy Wood Jr. Yeah, and Hassan, know? and you know, yeah, Hassan Hassan. Yeah, it still worked for him. It still worked for uh, who else is out there that's still doing it? Dulce. Yeah, you know, she's doing great on the Daily Show. It's still, Ron, then, Ronnie. You know, like but it then, worked for like they were like the last breed or the yeah. last uh, round of. But then you, you know? have people like Ali Wong that does an amazing special, and then like the biggest thing. Right. Is, let me tell you, I was with Ali Wong. Yeah a week before her special came out, doing the Pasadena Ice House in front of 60 people. And it's just amazing how, it's it's interesting how you're the same person when the special, and you're right. doing the same material, but since it's not, not a lot of people have seen it or it hasn't got exposure, you know, people aren't coming out to see you and to see the difference after that came out. It's so awesome to see, and she's a good person, so it's so oh, yeah. awesome to see, you know? Allie's one of those few, like, not few, I mean, there's more than people think, but Ali's one of those, uh, and what I'm talking about is people who are still good people post-success. Yes, yes. Like, Ali is definitely, I mean, I remember when she, she moved to New York, because she was a, I believe, San Francisco comic for a mm-hmm. while, and then she was in New York for a few years, and I'd see her all the time, we'd hang out, we were doing the same shows, and then she just started to kind of, and then she was gone, Yeah. and I didn't see her for a while, and then that special dropped, and it was just like, you know, it was one of those specials where everything about it was just the perfect time. Like she was the first one to be pregnant. First one to be pregnant. For I think first, like I know she wasn't the first Asian female comedian to have it, but first one on on Netflix. Netflix, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like such a great special and such a pure like. Oh, this is one hundred percent Ali Wong. Yes, you have zero questions about who this human being is after you watch this special. So funny. And yeah, like, but she had to do it. The, the, she didn't know yeah. when she shot that special that it wasn't like Netflix reached out to her and was like, we're going to give you $2 million and here's a special. That special, I think it was yeah. on a night where they shot a couple specials that night. Yeah. And it was okay, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I'm not sure, but yeah. I know comedy dynamics sometimes. Yeah. They'll, they'll have nights where they'll shoot two to three specials in a night, use the same stage right. and pump them out or change the lighting in the background. So I think it was on one of those nights. Maybe I'm wrong, but regardless, I mean, yeah. she, she crushed it. And now it's great to see people. I guess my thing is I've been with a lot of people since I was in the music industry, too, that... When I interviewed them, nobody knew who they were. And then a month later, what were you? Would, what did you do in the music world? So I was a music director, and I was on the radio. Okay. For a lot of uh, like Y100 in Miami. Oh, okay. So you ever talked to Cipher? Cipher sounds. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You well, guys, here. Yeah, I got same, to know him here though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in Miami. DJ Laz was up there, and people. But what was interesting is breaking a record or meeting an artist like Sean Paul before yeah. Get Busy came out. I interviewed him. Nobody knew who he was literally six months later, the biggest artist in the world. You know, Destiny's Child was like that. I interviewed just, I mean, I was at the radio station in Houston. I was just an intern at the time. I was super young. But they would literally beg to sing in our conference room. Right, right. You know, and then to see Beyonce and Destiny's Child at one time be the biggest artist in the world and Beyonce still killing it. It's just amazing to see that happen, you know. And you're so close to her, you're like, all right, this is going to happen for me. You know, so you just got to wait your turn. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's like with, with like that. Because I was talking to fucking actually, this sounds like I'm just name dropping. But like I was, I was talking to Ronnie Chang. Yeah. Like, love him. Yeah. Love yeah. Like three weeks ago. And he's also in that daily show. Yeah. This daily show cast now, which I feel like is like, I, I think the cast right now is awesome. Like all yeah. of them start. I, mean, I, I never really watched the daily show throughout life and went, what a dud. They've always done great. 
as far as who they who they cast, but like the crew now is really they're all and they're all you see them all over New York constantly doing spots and they're great and like but I was talking to him about like he's just similar to you he's just like got to put out something every year and I'm like yeah. even at your level you're worried about that but yeah you're right of well, course you're worried about that because what you don't you know? want is to go stale exactly like never got, and and here's what's interesting is I learned this at the comedy store there was a night it was like a bunch of huge comedians and Steve-O right mm. and I'm not saying Steve-O's not no big, of course but he's not a comedian but it, well okay yeah you could say that I yeah. let's just say he's a comedian all okay, right or not that. or yeah. not whatever but I know what you mean he he's so, made a living he's made he's he's a Steve-O he's, he's his a own, Steve-O that's yeah. why I said there was yeah. a bunch of big comedians and Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what I learned about yeah. that night, his fans that were there, yeah. it did not matter if Bill Burr crushed, Dave Chappelle crushed, Chris Rock could have been. Sure. When Steve O came on, yeah. he was everything to them. And that, when yeah. a light went off, is oh, stop trying to please everybody with your comedy. You find, yeah. find your people, yeah. which I believe like Ronnie found, Ali found, and Netflix helped, of course. But once you find your audience, yeah. you know, that's the best feeling. Because a lot of, I think when you first get into it, you're like, I want everybody to like my stuff. And then you find sure. out, and then once you get seasoned in it, I'm just like, I just want to find the people that like me, yeah. and then let's build from there. You know, I don't care about everybody. I just want my people. Well, it's also like no one, no one wants to grapple with the reality. I mean, it's not, and it's not harsh reality. It's just a reality. But like early on, you don't want to have to think like, oh, there's going to be people who don't like what I do. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be audiences that hate it while I'm up there. Oh, there's going to be some bad sets and some bumpy. I mean, here at this club, I love this club, but I, every every week there's 14 shows and there's always a few like. Oh, there's four out. Of, I, I tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, this club has helped me grow when I go yeah. out on the road and it's a bad show. Yeah. I'm like, well. Every 14 shows here, yeah. you're gonna get four, three to four that are okay. Yeah. Like, I believe the comics they bring in are so sure, You're never gonna sure. have a bad show. Never have a bad show. But it's, yeah. like I said, I never, I, I say all, all crowds are kind of the same. As long as they're laughing where they're supposed to laugh, even yeah. some crowds would be ro a roar, some crowds would be a chuckle. Right. But right. they're getting the jokes. You exactly. Know? And like, you can't, yeah, like, you, like you're saying. You don't know what they've been through Every single great club will have one or two weird shows a night, you yeah. know, or uh, a week. But also, every great comedian will have, uh, even if you're at a level of like a, you know, a, you're selling out theaters. There's going to be a couple theaters every year that are like, that one kind of sucked. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. always going to be, like, no one wants to ever deal with the reality of, hey, there are rough times. There's going to be people who just straight up hate you and if you read youtube comments you'll find out who they are <laughs> and and that's just the facts because if you if you try and be that comedian for everyone you will be at first at first you will be and then eventually you'll be that comedian for no one yes because people are like oh there's nothing more to you than that initial hey everyone aren't i a perfect snappy yeah. happy just silly guy no all right wait a second that's not human yeah no one's like that full time in real life so you have to eventually be bold enough to put yourself out there as you and understand like whew, this maybe you don't end up selling out theaters but maybe you end up selling out venues yeah maybe you end up selling enough tickets to live and be happy and and and, and live your life on your terms and that's fucking amazing yeah but you're like, doing what you love yeah and that's part of what you're saying putting out but also like doing stuff like the podcast and like you know we don't have to deal right now. We're doing something right now and we're not having to deal with a room full of execs. We're yeah. not getting notes from people who don't know what they're talking about. We're lucky. We get to do, we get Brian. Yeah, we get, we get Brian. Brian, the expert. He's over uh, there. He knows what, <laughs> but Brian knows what he's doing. He's been in the back of that room. He's seen yeah. some fucking roughs. He's seen us on stage 
Tell you, he's seen me. I know. I can hear. I can hear Brian <laughs> <laughs> seeing me eat shit. He, he's seen it. But I've also had good ones here. But like, we get to deal at least. Uh, with someone who's like, okay, he's cool. Yeah. Whereas, well, well yeah. I, I was talking to Mo Mandel about this. What's great about comedy is when you live in a world where you want to be casted for something or you're trying to move up in the entertainment field that's yeah. away from comedy, when you get all those no's, when you can go on stage and get yeses, it makes you feel like, okay, I'm in the game. They haven't caught up to normal people, what they think. And that feels good. It kind of yeah. gives you like, oh, okay, I can keep going. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. That's also something, especially like I have also heard comedians complain about how popular comedy has become because there are a lot of posers out there. It's like, yeah, sure. That, that, that can be the case if you want it to be like it, you could argue that, yeah, what's happening in stand up now is the same thing that happened to music in the 90s where just it exploded into like I don't think the idea I don't think indie bands existed before the 90s. Yeah. You know, and by indie bands, I mean like everyone knows about Pearl Jam, but who do you know who Mother Love Bone was? Do you know who, you know, the Meat Puppets were? They like uh, you talk about Seattle grunge, you think of the top 5 yeah. bands, but there were another dozen below them that were equally as good if not better in some cases. I think that's with comedy in general. Like there's just there's no such thing as like not everyone's going to be a superstar anymore, but you can still be a superstar in your own niche. Yes. You and, find your own fan base. And what's interesting, what's interesting is uh, when, when you find that niche, like I, I see comedians now, like a Theo Vaughn. I love Theo. He's yeah, a sure. friend of mine. Yeah. But I Fellow knew, Louisiana boy. There you go. Yeah. I knew Theo like 12, 13 years ago when he was trying to do like TV stuff. Yeah. You know, and the true Theo didn't come out. But now when you watch him, this is a real thing. I've always known that Theo everybody loves now. Just him with his draw, just kicking it. Before yeah. he was trying to be more buttoned up for TV. And I go, that's not, that's not you. There's a little, there's a little, you know, awkwardness in you, a little, little racial tension in you at times, you know? So, cause me and him, we've had yeah. great conversations. So it's a thing where now I love who he is and what he's representing himself. And people are gravitated to it. Dude, oh, can, you want, can I tell you a Theo Vaughn story? Yes, please. So I met Theo in 2001, early, like, early, like, I want to say like March-ish, maybe even later, maybe like summer 2001 in Baton Rouge, right? He, he was still in college. I had dropped out, but was still living there, working at a restaurant, just being a fucking 21-year-old drunk, right? Um, but Theo had just come off of that season of road rules. Oh, yeah. So he was huge. So he was like famous on campus. And I remember we were at this. Theo knows this. He's heard me tell this story before. So this is nothing. There was this bar in Baton Rouge. I believe it's still there. It's called Fred's. It's a, it's a standard college warehouse bar. It was the first place I ever had Red Bull and vodka. It was, a, <laughs> it was, the, first, it was the first place like, you know, every college kid went. I'm. I'm just saying they didn't so much care if you were 21 years old to buy booze. Done. Right? Gotcha. And I remember we, I, I show up there one night and it's just like a standard like Thursday night for me. I'm like, whatever, I'm getting hammered because I hate life. And there's all this buzz in there like, dude, that guy Theo's here. That guy Theo from Road Rules. Because back then also, every it was that was 21 years ago, everyone watched MTV that still. That was the huge, right. that was the biggest reality show at that time. Right, and he was, this, and this guy's in the room, and everybody like, Theo, Theo, we got this deal, we got this deal. Now, at that time, I had aspirations of being a comedian. I hadn't started yet. I just didn't know how. So I remember vividly, I went to the bar, I ordered a Red Bull and bourbon. 
because that's what I got was Red Bull and bourbon because I thought I was badass. Theo was at the bar and I knew he was there, but I didn't suspect this would get his attention. He heard, he heard me order a Red Bull and bourbon and found that interesting. I was like, why bourbon? I'm like, I just like it better than vodka. It's simple. And then I just like started talking to him. And I remember expecting him to be like, hey, man, you know, because he'd been on TV. But instead he was like, oh, yeah, what, what's up? You know, hi. And we were just shooting the shit for a minute. And I was talking about like wanting to move to L.A. and maybe or New York or I don't know. And I remember him being like, oh, go to L.A. It's, it, you know, I spent time out there. It was all right. And we're having this conversation. And then this slow song, Casey and JoJo's All My Life comes on and he goes, oh, yeah, man, excuse me for a minute, though. And then he just. Just, there's a girl right there. I didn't realize there was some woman, you know, because I was a drunk fucking idiot that was standing there. He goes, excuse me. And then he just starts slow dancing with this fucking random college hottie <laughs> to this song. And I'm like, well, I guess that was the end of my conversation with Theo. <laughs> and he just fucking dances with this hot ass young girl. And I started comedy a year later. And then two years after that, at an open mic in New Orleans, he shows up. And I remember like, oh, I know, that's Theo. And like, oh, shit, I know that guy. And I went over and said, what's up? He goes, oh, yeah, man, you still drinking Red Bull and bourbon? I was like, good memory. Yeah. And, and then he was like, oh, I'm going to go on. And I was like, oh, no, shit. You do and he goes on and kills it. And he's like, I'm living in L.A. now. So it's like, that's a guy who I know people who have asked me, is like, is that really how he is? It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, that's 100%. 100%. Th 100% who Theo is. He I was that dude 21 years ago. I forgot. It was yeah. probably about 13, 14 years ago. Me, Theo, and a bunch of people went to uh, Oklahoma for, it was like a poker tournament. Wow. It was a reality show poker tournament. That's right? fucking great. So, That's money. So Theo also was performing out there. And this is the first joke I ever heard Theo say. He right. walks out, and in Oklahoma, they had a lot, it was a casino, so there was a lot of obese people. Yeah. He walks out, <laughs> he said his first joke, it did okay, not a lot of laughs. And he looks at everybody and goes, I don't really care because all you fat fuckers are going to die tomorrow. And I was like, wow. Wow, okay. He's going for it. He's like, you obese bitches or something. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. how he talked. Yeah. It was so funny. And then we just became good friends. And he's always been a genuine dude. And yeah. I'm so happy for his success. Well, uh, as far as you, what is there... I like to ask people this question because, you know, you've been in the comedy game for a while now. Yeah. If you could go back and change one thing, is there anything that you would have capitalized on you didn't? So, like, up-and-coming comics, I mean, you know, can learn from it? I would, I would say, like, I, I made the mistake early on of uh, something I would go back and do, and this, isn't, this is something I could correct now, which I'm working on, but, like, I don't have a lot of content out there at all. Mm. I really don't. Just because, like, like I said, I started in that world where... It was like, be precious about your material. Yes. Don't just put it out there for free. And it took me a while to accept that that was sort of like the way it's going to become. And now it is 100% that way. Yeah. And, and that would be the one thing I would go back, you know, eight years ago and tell eight year ago version of me like, hey, man, don't be precious with this. Yeah. Just put it out there. Put the best possible version of it out there you can and just understand. Also... Burning material is a concept that does not exist anymore. No, because it does if, not exist because anymore. It's not you, real. If you burned a joke, and yeah. I say this in quotes, and four million people like it, it's going to equate to ticket sales. Exactly. So they'll see more of you. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, yeah, like there used to be this idea, like, oh man, I, I I went through this recently with my special. Like, there was a bit that I did on an album that I was like, I wanted to do it in this special I just shot, but I was like, but I already did it on the album. 
Who cares? And I remember it was Cypher being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. He's like, it's your, you've only done it on an album. It's your, it's your material. Do it wherever the fuck you want. And he was right. And it's like, I got so precious about like, ah, oh, but this is my material and it has to be pre presented properly. But it's like, no, it just needs, they're like children. Your material's yeah. like children. hundred percent. You have to let them out. You let, let them go. Like, I'm not the committee. Like, I'm a storyteller. So it's harder for me Same to do me. that. But like, I respect the Sam Morels and Mark Norman. They can come out with a hundred jokes in a week. And that's oh, yeah. what's so effective for social right now to be able yeah. to write that quick bit, throw it out and it's gone. Like, I can't watch the news and come up with a bit right there and some jokes. That's not my style. I'm right. more of, oh, this happened in my life. Let me, and it was funny. Let me heighten it. I'm you with know? you, yeah. So it's, it's harder for me to just not burn material because I want a 30 minute special every year. So if I throw away a good family story, it's like, now I gotta start all over. You know, so right. I think I'm operating on a different level where that's why I'm trying to do a new special every year. So hopefully those clips from that 30 minutes can last to the next year and then I'll have a whole new one. No, you I know? mean, that's smart. I mean, and it's also, uh, yeah, the that's, I, I wish I could tell my, I wish I would have yeah. listened. Cause I, I mean, I know that now I'm trying to put out more stuff now. I just, I just also, I just personally also don't, I don't think it's, there, I don't think there's any right or wrong. No, I just know that for me personally, putting out clips, daily clips of me doing crowd work is not what I want. Yeah. It's just not what I want out there. It doesn't represent what I do on stage. Mm -hmm. And I've had that conversation with people who are like, just film the first couple minutes of your set and just put it out there. I'm like, no, because the first couple minutes of my set, my, because that's the other thing. It's like, I'm still working on shit. Yeah. I'm going to put stuff out there, but again, I'm going to put the best possible version. If you're a chef, I'm not just going to give you the ingredients of the dish and be like, well, cook it yourself. It's out there now. Yeah. Like, give me the time to at least make the dish. Mm -hmm. And then I'll put it out there. Maybe it won't have all the garnish I want. Maybe it won't be, you know, have the perfect paired, you know, dessert with it, but it'll be out there. Like, I just don't, but I refuse to just, I don't like the idea of pumping out. I think there's too much content also. Yeah. I think you can put out too much and it hurt you. And my theory there is that if you put out too much and your audience sees you too much online or on their socials and they see a, BC level, yeah. a sort of not your best too much. When you do come to town, they'll be like, well, I've seen them. Well, I've I, seen what they do. And I also feel, and I could it still be, has to be quality. I, 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 I agree with what you're yeah. saying. And I, but I also believe too, if you put out crowd work and you're not a crowd work comic, people are going to come to your shows and, and just yell at you. And yell shit at and you. Yell, exactly. And, yeah. So in a couple of comics, I know that do that. They go, sure. I'm getting heckled all the time now. Yeah. You know, because you're known for those clubs. People want to be in your next club, yeah. so they're acting out, you know? I mean, have you, have you ever had, like, and that's the other thing, too, like, we still, there are still people who don't, like, aside from people who get inspired by your clips to show up and be like, you're brown, you're, you're brown, you're, you're a brown noser. I don't yeah. know why that would be. So, <laughs> I'm such a brown noser, noser. that comedian. <laughs> I just kiss everyone's ass. But, like, but, you know, aside from that, you still deal with just dinglings who don't understand it from just this concept of, like, oh, well, you asked me a question. I was just responding. It's like, this is a hypothetical yeah. situation. This is stand-up. Or rhetorical, I'm sorry. It's a rhetorical situation. Like, you don't have to answer every fucking question I ask in an actual, literal way when I get up here and be like, so you guys uh, having a good day today? And you're like, not me. And it's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to ask you why. Don't give me <laughs> yeah. a 22-minute response. 
But, but you got to remember, like, some people what I learned about the cellar here in Las Vegas, a lot of people, this is the first time I've ever seen a comedy show. This That's is vacation crazy, for them. too. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. New York, it's a yeah. totally different vibe. Like, the people that go to the cellar in New York, they love comedy. Yeah, and it's yeah. a lot of locals, and they keep coming back. What, what, what was it like the first time you met Esty and the first time you got past at the cellar? I mean, it was it's kind of funny because Esty, uh, she, 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 my audition, my audition happened. Uh, I got, I get off stage and she was still there, which I remember someone telling me in retrospect, like after the fact, they're like, oh yeah, if she's still there at the bottom of the stairs, when you get off stage, you're in a good place. Ah. It's if she walks away halfway through your set and you get off stage and you got to go upstairs, that's where it's like, ooh. But if she was, I was like, okay, she's still here. That's nice. And then we walk upstairs and she goes, it was okay. Uh, here, and she gives me their email. She's like, email me. I give you some spots. We'll see how it goes. And I was like, <laughs> all right. I mean, hey, that's good yeah, enough. Yeah, that's good enough. And like, you know, now she, you know, she puts me and, up. And let me ask you, yeah. what did you think about the set? Was it just okay? I, I, if I can, if looking back, I can 100% say she was right. Okay. Because I was so, I was so nervous. nervous yeah. That like, I definitely gave like a, I, I felt it in the moment. I was like, that's, but that was, okay. That was just my audition. Like. What night did they do it on? I want to say a Sunday. Okay, Sunday. Yeah. Now I think they have the auditions on Friday or Saturday. Friday, Saturday, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was in late 2015-ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, too late. I remember years later, it was Mother's Day 2018. So she would give me, up until then, she'd give me a spot or two or three a week, and it was no big deal. I was doing other clubs, and I'd go, and I'd do my best, and I'd hang out. But then on Mother's Day 2018, they were doing they brunch shows, right? And I was on one of the brunch shows and Esty's at the brunch shows. She's hanging out. She's, you know, talking to comics. Brunch at the comedy cellar is pretty awesome. Well, that's dope. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and she's like, hey, uh, you know, at, uh, by the way, and I was last in the lineup. She's like, Aziz is here. He's going to go up before you. And I was like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Because following any famous, I mean, I know following any famous person can just add an extra, an extra level of uh, you know and then and then yeah. but then you're also uh you got to ride that wave from them and they're gonna go long exactly and you already know you're gonna be there instead of 15 minutes you'll be there another 30 to 45 right. minutes before you even get on stage and, but he i will say that night he only probably he only or that day because it's a daytime show he probably only did about 20 25 and uh -huh. then i went on and had one of those like and it was like all people with their moms in the audience. Yeah. And I just had one of those, like, you ever have one of those unexpectedly just perfect sets? Yes. Where you find tags you didn't realize were there and you like, you even the like. crowd's playing along. It's just everything. You even notice yourself delivering in a way where you're like, is that what I sound like? I sound cool as shit. <laughs> and it was just this great set. And I get off stage and she was downstairs. And I didn't know she was watching at all. And she was just like, oh. And she was just like come upstairs and she drags me back upstairs and like gives me this just glimmering shining review of that set and then she started giving me like eight sets a week nice so it's like you never know like i had been passed for a while and i'd see her every time i was there on a weekend and would say hello and nice to see you again but this time it was like oh this was it was like a second audition that neither one of us knew was going to happen. Did, did you ever have that night where you bombed there or didn't do well and Esty was watching and you knew she was? Nah, if so, I, do, I haven't been aware of it yet. But I, I definitely, you, definitely, <laughs> you definitely have those rough nights even at the cellar in New yeah, York. It's 100%. funny too because newer comics will have those and get off stage and be like, oh my God. 
Am I done? I'm like, dude, if SD stopped booking everyone who ever bombed, <laughs> she'd have no comics. Right? This wouldn't be a comedy That's club. It would it. just be a restaurant. That's part you of know? it. You know, it's like, yeah, like sometimes, you know, she needs to see you bomb in a, and see that you're still good. Yeah. I think she knows, she's savvy enough to like, she can watch you bomb. And but she's going to want to see your knows next set. like, yeah. okay, but this is still funny. Maybe it's just not working with this crowd. Yeah. Because I've also had those nights, not just at the cellar, at other clubs, where you get off stage, you're like, Jesus Christ, I just ate shit. And then you go out to the bar afterwards and someone's like, hey, that was awesome. Dude, the biggest problem I had yeah. when, this was all the way to like three years ago, four years ago. If I didn't have a good set and somebody told me, like a fan that came yeah. out to a show and spent money, said, hey man, great set, I, go, ah, I wasn't that good. My friend's like, what are you doing? They just paid money to see you, and you're telling them, oh, no, they saw a shitty show. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they think it was great. Yeah. And then you learn that, and that's even for a lot of times when you go to a club and you didn't sell as many tickets as you thought you were going to sell. Yeah. You think they care, but they don't. They just care about themselves and the show. Oh, yeah, man. Like, we, if this room was a third full, right? And if this was your own night, you'd be like, oh, man, it's a slow night, blah, 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 blah. But what I learned is the people don't care. They just care about laughing that night. They don't care if it's packed or if there's 10 people here. They just want to be there. It's like, we're here. Yeah. We we're are here. here. So do your thing. I would love to be able to have my ability at, coupled with the audience's expectations. Because yes. then I would enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. You know? Because like, yeah. I'm like, because then I'm like, oh my God, this is funny stuff. Yeah. But like now I'm just like, my standards make me. And uh, that sounds very arrogant. My ability. No, I know. but, 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 but been, true. I work pretty hard at what no. I do. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. always trying to heighten yourself. You always right. trying to get the material better. And that's the thing is the audience, they just want to laugh. Yeah. And it doesn't have to smash. It could just be funny and they're fine with it. But yeah. you seem like you're a guy like me. You want to keep getting better and you want to. At the end, I want the crowd to go nuts when I get off. You know, like I want the crowd to really feel it yeah. and to know like, oh, that was, a, he's great. Yeah. You know, and that's the reason why I do it because I love comedy, but I also love making people laugh. And it's just, I mean, you feel like a superhero when you have an amazing set. Oh yeah. I tell everybody, it's the only place in real time you can say a whole act Think about something totally different. Hear conversations and analyze what people are doing. It's almost like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. There's no other time in, in yeah. your normal day that that ever happens where that many, you're heightened that much. Yeah, you're, there's 15 things going on yeah. and you have to be on top of all of them. But you're hearing everything yeah. while you're saying your lines. It's crazy. What, what, do you remember the first time you ever bombed? Oh, yeah. Well, where was it? What, what was that like? I mean, I remember the first time. I mean, I feel like the first like five or six sets I kind of, I mean, I know I did okay, but the first time I ever truly bombed, like true, like, oh my God, this is happening, was early on, I'd been doing stand-up for maybe a year, and it was like one of my first ever like non-open mic bookings. And this is in New Orleans back then when there was really no comedy scene, but it was at this like bar in a place called Old, an Old Metairie. Bars are the toughest. Yeah, but they had like a little stage area and everyone before me was doing fine. And I went in, I remember going in arrogant. I remember going in just being like, huh, I kill it at the, the True Brew Cafe open mic every week. <laughs> These guys don't even know. And just the first time telling a joke and it getting nothing. The very first time you say something that normally got something and it gets a zero percent reaction. That was your whole time in oh, life when God. you're young. It throws your whole existence. <laughs> it's like, oh, everything. Everything's a lie. <laughs> everything's a lie. Is there, is there a God? You know, like you're just, 
is my name even Sean? <laughs> like just everything fell apart. But I mean, but I've had variations of that throughout my career. And, and, I, and I hate saying this, but there will be more of those times. A hundred percent there will be. Like it's part of it. And I think there are like, I mean, dude, I've seen bombs. I've seen people get so confident early on in their early on in comedy to the and like never think they were ever going to bomb and then see them really bomb for the first time. And, it, and I, I know people who never who didn't come back from it. Wow. It's almost like I'm talking about like an actual war, but it's like, yeah, I've it seen is. people bomb so hard that they do not return from it. And it's like, that's how hard it can. That's how the impact of a true bomb can fuck just can destroy, can destroy you. everything about you about your ambition suddenly goes away you're because then you're afraid to ever be yourself again that's why it's part that's why i say i always like when younger comics ask for advice or want to talk comedy i always tell them like it just lean into bombing yeah. accept it embrace it like understand that it's necessary and it's going to make you it killing doesn't always make you better killing can make you lazy hundred percent. You, know? you wind up doing the exact same set every night. Right, right. Like bombing is actually those moments where you grow a little bit more and like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, dude, like I had, I had a set fucking last weekend in New York where I got off stage and was just like, fuck this, fuck this. I was just so like, I didn't say that out loud. Just in my head was like so pissed off and I went and I got a nosebleed, which happens whenever I go back to New It's weird. Whenever I go back to New York for the first time after not being in New York for an extended period of time, which had just happened. I was on the road. You got a nosebleed? I get a, I get, I'll get a nosebleed. <laughs> I, I've seen doctors about it. Like, it's no big deal. It's a change in pressure. It's nothing. Don't freak out about it. But I had this nosebleed. And I remember I was in the bathroom and I was so angry. I was just like, just let it be. So was, so was the, the yeah. set just miserable? It was one of those sets where you di I didn't bomb or kill. It felt like they were just like there, there, and I'd felt like, and I'd rather bomb or kill. I'd rather yeah. that than anything. I'd rather zero reaction than, huh? Yeah. Oh God, oh, it like makes my neck hurt just thinking of the huh audience, the the middle of the road set. Ugh, brutal. And it, it's such a interesting walk out of that room when you when that happens dude because you know comics saw it too oh you yeah know? yeah and and yeah that's the other thing you have other comics come up and be like oh man you know it wasn't that bad it's like just be real with me yeah <laughs> just 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 walk up to me and be like fuck man that audience like start there yeah because I, I do that sometimes to comics and i feel like they think i'm being an asshole i'm like no i'm being honest with you yeah. i'm actually being more of a friend yeah i'm not gonna i know you hated that set yeah so i'm not gonna lie to your face and be like great set but so I'm, what would you say to a person like that i would walk up, i would i would say rough crowd or i would walk up and be like man they just were not with it yeah you know i'd put it i'll put it and that to me gives the comedian an out an out an out or or a moment where they can go ah man i just felt like i misdelivered or yeah. didn't open strong and then we can actually talk about it yeah exactly because i like it when people do that to me you're giving them an out you know nate bragazzi i love him so he's uh, he was i, I kind of like got like he was the best at that he was the best at walking over and being like oh man you know, I don't know, man. Everybody fucking, they hate comedy. You know, <laughs> just just saying something yeah. that made you feel like, okay, he's being human with me. Yeah. So now I can open up and complain and vent and get that experience Instead, off my yes, chest. Yes, and then it's got, gone. Because you got to get yeah. it out and you that's one way to get it out right. or get on stage right back and get yeah. the laughs. You know, it's it's a very weird thing. Like yeah, you're, you're only yeah. as good as your last set, kind of. You know? Right, and I and I know it's it's probably a, it's like a, it's like the co comedian to comedian equivalent of like an uncle joke. But when someone murders, going up and, and being like, "Oh man, where do you think you lost them?" 
you know, just yeah. do that and like, ha taking a joke. And that's fucking funny. But yeah. I've also seen there are some people who are so precious that they, even that they're like, what are you talking about? I just murdered. It's yeah. like, did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but you understand that I'm fucking with you. Like when Mark Cohen, here's a comedian question. He'll yeah. always say in the back, oh, they're having trouble. You yeah, know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just to be funny. Fun, yeah. It's hilarious. Nah, they're bombing. Yeah. They're it's bombing. Fucking, it's fucking funny. Like that's, that's the thing that I guess my one complaint about where comedy's going because it's become so popular is like it, it's becoming too cool. And I'm talking uh, about comedians are becoming too cool. Uh-huh. Like it's like, this is comedy. You're supposed to embrace the stupidity of the human condition. Mm-hmm. Not, not trying to be up there being sexy and awesome and fucking look how cool and awesome I am. Look, oh man, look, how, look at my Instagram. I'm so dope all the time yeah. doing all this awesome <laughs> shit. It's like, well, anyone can do that. Yeah. That's not, but what, no, what not anyone can do is take the human experience and the hardness and the weirdness and the awkwardness of it all and flip it over and make you understand it as a, as an audience member, because we all go through it. Now, when you say it's you know? more popular now, is it, are you saying that more people are on social media attempting it and things like that? I'm that saying we're about? probably three, three to five years. I'm saying, I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think I'm about, we're about three years away from there being cover comedians, meaning like, uh, well, that's what TikTok is. No, people. but I mean, actual like, uh, like clubs start booking like, oh, this guy's a Richard Pryor tribute comedian. So, or like oh. this guy's a Sam Kinison tribute comedian or like this guy. So, or this guy or even living comedians, like this is a living Chris Rock impersonator and they get on stage and they just do classic bits live to a T and people will pay money to see that corporate, corporate, corporate. There won't be corporate gigs for comedians anymore because why, why take a risk on a Michael Yo or a Sean Patton or someone you don't know, which they wouldn't, I, I would corporate comedians. I'm definitely not corporations. Yeah. Don't waste your money on me. But, <laughs> but I'm saying like, that'll start happening more and more because I think comedy is like when I started doing stand up. I remember I went to my parents. I told them I wanted to do it. I didn't, I didn't need their permission, but I'm like, I'm yeah. going to do this. And I went to them because I needed to borrow their car because mm-hmm. I needed to fucking go out. Cause I was busted. You had to hustle. To yeah. get- but I remember my parents' reaction was very like, okay. I mean, you're uh, all right. Get it out of your system. They weren't super supportive right away because yeah. it's like, you want to be a comedian? Eh. Nowadays, I think a kid could say, I want to be a comedian. And the parents are like, well, you got to move to New York. You got to get your, ne-. like, there's, there's enough out. There's enough. But I don't even it. think it's that. They're like, <laughs> if they say, I want to be a comedian, you're like, all right, you got your iPhone. You got, you know, right, now it's too. even easier. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even need to move. So, can- it, so to me, it's just like, yes, it's more popular in the sense, and I used the music reference earlier, how like there was probably an explosion of bands in the 90s. Yeah. And a lot of them went nowhere. But that's what's happening now. There's an explosion of comedians because everyone can mimic what they see. Mm. Everyone can be like, I can be the next. Well, that's what TikTok is. They're taking comics words and just repeating them. Oh yeah. I mean, there's that, there's that, there's literally what you're saying. People mouthing along. Yeah. Like super hot models doing like a Mike Vecchione bit. And you're like, Mike Vecchione's a brilliant comedian. Why the fuck? You're not even giving him credit. You're not even tagging him for your thousands of views on you doing a lip syncing a funny joke. It's actually teaching young people to steal and that's okay. Yeah. That's what TikTok is. And being funny for some reason is not respected as an actual talent. Like being able to sing, being able to dance, being able to. I think in the yeah. industry it is though. In but the industry people, it is. Normal people, they just, because they're like, because normal people think, yeah. oh, I'm funny. I can. Everyone I can. thinks yeah. they're fucking funny, yeah. bro. And, and like, here's the thing. 
there were, I can't I cannot remember the name of the book, but I was on this panel. This was like a decade ago, actually. Mm-hmm. I was on this panel. I was invited at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival where these guys wrote this book about stand-up, and their big thing was like, everyone is funny. And I tried to argue, but it was at the end of the panel, and they were like, we can't, we don't have time for yeah. this. But I didn't, no. Being funny is like, it's like athletics. Like, anyone can be athletic but not everyone is a fucking athlete yes that's how it is with humor anyone can be funny but not everyone is funny and that's not an insult that's just a fact and like so i think people watch stand up and when it's really good it looks effortless yes yes and then they are like i can do that and everyone says i can be the next this 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 or this but i think in order to be a comedian you have to be willing to go i am going to be the first me uh, yes and uh, that is hard preach, John that is preach. fucking hard and, and anyone willing to take the journey i respect you immensely but you know we all got a fucking it's hard. It's hard. It's and that's hard. what makes it awesome. To quote Tom Hanks. Yes, please. And it, then we got to go. All right. Tom Hanks from A League of Their Own. It's supposed to be hard. If it weren't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. There you go. Sean Pat, thank you so much, man. For thank you, Michael. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Comedy Seller. Go. Cool.